Real Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Welcome to Real Cuff Radio. And tonight's show, I'm going to call Watching God's Hand Moving. Because only God could take a puzzle of a story like this and put it together. And I'm, I'm really excited because we have Johnny Johnson, who's been on here before. And if you haven't heard his testimony, um, he'll, he'll talk a little bit about it tonight probably. But go back to episode 57. And then also, you know, w- what he's doing now with Pete Rose, which is episode 75. So, Johnny... How are you tonight? I'm doing great, Todd. It's a pleasure to be on your show again. Thank you for for having us on tonight. Uh, we're looking forward to the show tonight, for sure. I'm really looking forward to this because, you know, I see this in the future being not only a book, but being turned into a movie. It, it's just crazy. Only God could do this. I, absolutely. I, I completely agree. And as you've mentioned, we've, uh, we've been on your show before talking about one of my passions, baseball, quite a bit. But what we're going to talk about tonight far exceeds anything baseball's ever done, ever could do, because we're talking about the miracles of God Almighty in the lives of human people that are living and breathing and walking this earth today. And it is unbelievable uh, what God has done and is doing. So this is going to be a very, very exciting show. All right. Well, Johnny, I'm just going to turn it over to you and let you take it from here. Well, I'll jump right in, Todd, and thank you again for the kind introduction. Uh, Listeners, tonight we have some dear friends of ours, uh, myself and my wife, Casey, who's with us tonight on the show. Hi. Um, Jerry and Julia, and uh, they're going to walk us through, the listeners, through a uh, tremendous miracle that took place in their life many years ago, which is really how we met. So, Jerry, you and I are going to go back and forth a bit. The ladies will jump in um, as they uh, need to jump in, and uh, which they always do a good job of that, helping us, which we appreciate of that. So, uh, but this is Jerry and Julia Stilley from Chicago. Uh, they're now residing in um, Seattle, Washington, and we met. I'm going to leave that secret where we met, because Jerry, I want you to get into your life growing up and how you met how you met your bride, Julia, and take us through that. But why don't we start, Jerry, with that fateful day uh, in Long Beach, California, when, when you actually met my wife, Casey. Why don't you do a little quick intro, take us through that, and then um, you and Casey can go back and forth a bit, and then I'll jump back in with some more questions. Hey, thanks, Johnny and Casey and Todd. And uh, it's, a, it's really a privilege to be here today and, and just really get to share how amazing uh, our God is. And, uh, and, and there was certainly a divine appointment back in 2003. So ways back, but I'll tell you, it feels like uh, just yesterday when you think about it. Um, and, uh, and, and some of the listeners, as you said, know your story, Johnny, and, uh, and uh, the cancer that you had, acute lymphoblastic lymphoma, as we know, is very rare. And uh, back in 2003, I was diagnosed with that cancer, and it was very aggressive and moving very quickly. And, uh, and it's through that experience that I had that uh, actually uh, I, I ran into Casey. And so 
if I just step back for a moment, um, being diagnosed with that, things were, uh, I'll come back and tell the full story, but things were, were just moving very quickly. And, um, and, and there was a point in time in, in the early stages of, of that battle where um, I, I was really kind of uh, questioning uh, the ability to have children um, because the diagnosis was that we weren't going to be able to have that, Julia and I. And, uh, and there was an opportunity for God just to, you know, prove uh, just uh, a, a, a encouraging uh, interaction with, with you all. And so we, we met, uh, Casey and I had uh, met in uh, Long Beach, California. Uh, I had actually was uh, getting ready to uh, have an appointment for a, um, for a massage. Uh, the body was certainly beat up from all the chemo and the treatments. Anyways... Uh, going into uh, my appointment, I was at the front desk and I uh, had shared that I needed to make sure that the technician uh, didn't have a cold because my immune system was really low. And they proceeded to ask, well, why is that? And I said, well, because you know, I've got cancer. And, uh, and, and they said, oh, I'm sorry, and asked for the type. And, and I said, it's acute lymphoblastic lymphoma of T-cell. And when I shared that, I think I may have even still been reading it uh, off paper because it was uh, something that was hard to to memorize at that time. But um, there was there was the only other person in the room in the waiting room, and that was uh, a, a lady sitting over to the side uh, in, uh, in one of the chairs. And she politely walked up and introduced me. Says, "You know, excuse me, sir, but." I, I think I overheard you say that you have acute lymphoblastic lymphoma of T-cell. And, and I kind of looked at her puzzled, like thinking she must be an oncologist or something. And I said, well, yeah. And I said, it's a very rare cancer. She says, I, I know. She says, because my husband is a survivor. And, uh, and that, that was just an amazing uh, moment of time. So I won't get into the full story there. I'll come back and share that because God's doing some amazing things, but it was a divine appointment, and from there, just some amazing things happened. Very good, and that was that's certainly um, our recollection uh, as well as how you met Casey. Casey, anything you'd like to add to that intro there with Jerry? Sure. I'd, I'd just like to, to say, you know, God shows up everywhere. Uh, if you're wondering if he only shows up in the church, well, no. He shows up in the school. He shows up on the road, <clears throat> he shows up, excuse me, I've got a cold, uh, in, a, in a massage place. And uh, I was there because I was treating my father uh, to a massage. He was, he was visiting us in California, and, and my mom and dad are uh, from Dallas. And uh, so I was getting dad a massage, and he didn't quite know what to think about it, but um, I was waiting on him, and I overheard uh, Jerry talking to the ladies up front and describing exactly what my husband had survived uh, years before. In fact, Johnny's name is in a medical journal as being the very first one to survive this kind of cancer. There was absolutely no survival rate before Johnny got it. So um, taking a risk to jump up and talk to a, a stranger about that, I, I felt that it was worth it uh, because of the, uh, the uh, immense topic that we were discussing. And and the hope that that I could share. So, just also to let you guys know, every once in a while, you got to jump out of your skin and do something that makes you feel uncomfortable. And we're not always uh, received um, in a way that uh, that people understand. And so, just know that um, it, it pays off if you are on call, so to speak, with God. And when He prompts you to to uh, to say something, 
do that. But I was just getting it straight with Jerry before the show that it was actually my father who came out of his appointment, and I shared with him that I had just met Jerry, and, and Jerry was turning to leave, and my father says to him uh, uh, something about, in fact, Jerry, I'll let you take over from there because you said it better than I did, but my father uh, is now with the Lord. He went to be with the Lord uh, July 31st, 2016. So this part of the story truly warms my heart. Go ahead, Jerry. Yeah, thanks, Casey. And and, and so I will just rewind a little bit. So uh, January 23rd, uh, 2003, you know, life was going really 100 miles an hour, both my wife and Julia working full-time at an aerospace company. Uh, we were both in school full-time, and we were both in ministry full-time. Uh, we were working with the youth, junior high and high school and college age. We were, uh, she was uh, leading uh, worship as our music director. And so life was full. Uh, I was uh, working on my MBA at the time as well. So um, things were good. I mean, really good. And, um, and uh, I started feeling really sick. And I got to a point where um, I, I started feeling a, a, a couple of lumps over kind of my collarbone area. And I thought, this is kind of strange. And um, as in, uh, I, I decided to go into um, what I call those the, the doc in the box, you know, the, 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 the urgent care, if you will, walk in. And uh, I, I met with one of the physicians, and uh, he proceeded to examine, give me an examination, we did uh, an x-ray, um, we took uh, some blood work, and, uh, and he said, uh, here's a prescription for, you know, some antibiotics, and uh, follow up with me uh, next week. And so a couple days went by, um, the lumps over my, my collarbone were, were growing, and all of a sudden it started surfacing on the other side, and I started thinking, this is not normal. And uh, I decided uh, to, to call the doctor, uh, in fact, before I called, um, I, I could remember getting ready to, to head to school one evening, uh, just a few days after that first exam, and I had uh, this, this chest in my pain, uh, this pain in my chest that I thought I was having a heart attack. I didn't know what a heart attack was, but boy, I tell you, I thought that's what I was having, and it, and it stopped me, um, and I pulled over, and I, I kind of hung out in the car for a bit, just trying to anticipate what was going on, and then it, and then it went away after a few minutes. So I decided to call the doctor and try to see if there was any results. And uh, they said, no, no results. Um, you know, the, what we saw in the, in the blood work came back normal. And I thought, gosh, it's strange. So I decided, um, you know, I, I, to ignore it, went to school. Uh, a couple of days later, it's about five days later now from the original uh, appointment. And um, I, I'm just not feeling well. And the lumps are growing. And so I decided to go back into uh, get a second uh, examination. So I did. They saw another doctor because it's always somebody different. And um, and we went through the same rigmarole. You know, it's like, hey, um, let's let's take your blood work. This is strange. Um, why don't we try a different antibiotic and come back in a couple of days? And so uh, I left. That was kind of a Friday uh, or Saturday morning. I left. And, uh, and then on Saturday night, I, I was really just thinking about gosh, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm well. And, and I did the one thing that most of us shouldn't do, which is you got on the Internet and started, like, putting word searches and, like, lumps above collarbone and, and the neck area. And, of course, all the bad news comes back. So I, I kind of realized that I, I had cancer, and yet it wasn't diagnosed. And 
and, and I didn't want to tear my uh, tell my 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 bride Julia because you know um, you know we had just lost her father not too long ago to cancer at that time. And so I didn't want to get her worried, and so I went back into work on Monday. Uh, you know, I'm having all the symptoms, night sweats, and I decided I'm going to go back into the doctors one more time on Monday. So now a week has gone by, and I, I, I find myself, you know, making that appointment, and uh, Julia uh, ends up uh, meeting me there at the doctors, and she may share a little bit about that. But saw another doctor, and we went through the same, you know, 10 questions, and uh, and he says, can I do a, an x-ray on your chest? And by this time, you know, the, the, these golf balls are kind of above my golf, my, my collarbone. And he says, uh, can I do a chest x-ray? And I said, well, you already did one. And he says, well, uh, it wasn't me. Could I do one? I said, sure. So we did the x-ray. And he came back a few minutes later and he says, listen, and he kind of showed Julia and I this mass in my chest. And he said, um, you know, this, this appears to be cancer, some type of lymphoma, don't know. He says, maybe it's something else. But what I want you to do is I want you to, I want to get you into a specialist like STAT. So that's Monday. He says, you're going to walk out of my little office here, going to go up to the front, and we're going to get you in with an ENT see if we can't do that with, uh, you know, you know, stat. And he says, if they try to tell you, hey, they don't have any openings, you know, I'll get involved here. And so he went to the front desk, followed the instructions. The front desk person says, they said they have an opening like, you know, five days away. And I said, the doctor said it's stat. So I got on the phone with them. She handed me the phone. I talked with the ENT office and they said, can you come in tomorrow uh, during lunch? And I said, sure. So it was a long night. You know, we, we were kind of just like, gosh, you know, it, you know, maybe I do have cancer, and we were just kind of just dumbfounded. So I went over to the ENT uh, the next day, and um, they said, hey, you know, what's going on? You answer the same 10, 15 questions, and, uh, of course, you know, no, you don't have cancer. It's going to be something else. But we need to get you in to go do a, a, a biopsy, a fine needle, you know, biopsy, which is going to be done in the hospital, and so we'll schedule that for you. And I said, well, they said it's got to be done stat. They said, hold on, and they came back, and they said, hey, there's an opening if you can get over there in 10 minutes. And so we just said, let's go. We got in the car, drove down the street, got in. So this is Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, you know, Tuesday night's a long night, you know, and we're just kind of waiting for the news. And then on Wednesday, I get a phone call. And the phone call I get was actually from uh, the oncologist's office and says, hi, this is uh, Dr. Shirley's office, and we want you to come in for an appointment tomorrow. And I said, well, oncologist meant, did someone say that they've confirmed I have cancer? And they said, well, we can't tell you because you need to talk to the doctor. I said, okay. So I hung up the phone, and then I got another call from uh, the doc in the box who must have got uh, news as well. And he calls me, and he says, hey, I, I want you to know um, it came back as acute lymphoblastic uh, leukemia, T-cell, the first words, and he says leukemia. And I got to tell you, when he said those words, the only thing I heard was you're going to die. That's all I heard. And so I thought, leukemia? No one survives leukemia. So I, um, I was just dumbfounded. He says, it's weird. You didn't come back in the blood test or anything. Well, long story short, it, it is a leukemia. It's just in the lymph nodes, and that's why they couldn't find it. So it's part of the same family. So I called Julia. She can't believe it, and she comes home, and, you know, Wednesday night was a long night. And so we decided to start kind of letting the rest of the family in on the news.
uh, we show up to the, uh, the the doctor's office on Thursday, and uh, and at this time we've got you know our family, our pastor with us, a lot of loved ones, and we walk into the doctor's office, and you know, and I don't know what he's going to say, but I know one thing is that Glyce's 100 miles an hour. There's a lot of responsibilities on my plate, and uh, we start to you know have a discussion, and he says, hey, listen, it's very aggressive. We got to treat it quickly. We need to you know every every hour counts and. So I'm thinking like, okay, well, when do we want to start? And he says, you're going to leave my office, and we're going to start now. So let's was, pause right there for a second, Jerry, and yeah. um, tell us, tell the listeners, you know, when when he, when the doctor told you, I'm, I'm sure there were probably several people in the room. I'm recalling from my time getting the same news, the exact same news in 1990, so, you know, 13 years prior. What? did it feel like tell the listeners what what did you experience did it feel like when you knew immediately meant like right now immediately take us through that you know i for me i i i wanted to challenge it so so and here's kind of how i i, I kind of tried to process that you know waiting outside before you go in and see the oncologist there's a lot of literature one of which is about having children and julie and i having been married for a while had wanted to have children in our future and so we thought gosh you know what's the chances and there's an opportunity to maybe medically store uh what you need to do to have children later and so when i when he said that now, I said, well, you know, I, I got, I got to like check in with work. I got to pause. He said, no, you need to like leave. We're leaving now to start. I said, well, we want to have children. It, can we, can we like, how long does it take for this procedure? He says, you know, that takes a few days to get everything ready. And I don't recommend that we wait. We want to start now. And, and, and I just, and then I, I think that's when Julia just kind of jumped in. And Julia, you, you can even share from that point. Well, that's uh, where I chimed in because I, I could, I could hear Jerry grasping for things such as, well, I need to go home first, and I need to go and do this, and we need to take care of that, and we need to, and I have this, and I have that, and so I just jumped in and I said. Doctor, I already have his bag packed, and I've got his blanket. I got everything in the trunk of my car. And Jerry just looked at me like, "You do?" And so I said, "We have no problem going straight over to the hospital and getting started." So I really believe that that was the Lord who had prepared me for that. All along the way, there were bits of things where God was preparing my mindset and my heart. I wanted to deny it and not accept what we were about to journey together. And um, I know even before he ever was diagnosed or he went to the doctors, he was having these night sweats. And like he said, my father had just been through the whole ordeal and we had lost him. And so that was happening. I kept saying, Lord, this is the craziest thought coming through my head. Why would my husband be having night sweats? Why would my husband have cancer? We're serving you with all of our might. and We're loving you with all of our strength and all of our soul and and all of our mind, just like your word says, there is no way my husband has cancer. So, but it was it was his prompting and and showing me that, you know, get ready, prepare, and then even down to the practical of we were just going for a um, they called it a consultation with an oncologist, and I packed his stuff for him, toothbrush, everything, 
And so I think we were we were set to go, and that was all because of God. Well, let me let me comment here, and then I'm going to go back to something. My my experience was very similar when they told me, "Hey, there's something about the size of a softball between your heart and lung, and it's all the way over, you know, everywhere else in your body." Jerry had MBA school, all his activities. My mind frame went to the same thing, Jerry, and I said you got to take it out. i got a ball game in three weeks. All you and I could think about was the things we had to do. And fortunately, God gave us our dear helpmates. And as Julia had your bag packed and saw through that and kind of gave you that uh, push off the ledge, if you will, to go to the next office and get that started, very similarly, Casey did that for me. Ours was we were already in the hospital, um, and the doctors, same thing, same exact verbatim. Well, how long does it take? Go to the sperm bank, Vanderbilt, somebody's going to pay for it. And the doctor says, we don't recommend it. Uh, we recommend you move forward chemo now. And and it was Casey on my side that said, you know, I'd rather have you than to have kids. So let's go get the chemo. And immediately meant immediately. When I walked out of my bathroom and told him that, I immediately got wheeled into surgery. For you, very similar situation, correct? Immediately that day, you went to another office and began to start taking chemo. Is that correct? Yeah, we we left that office, got in the car, drove across the street to the hospital, checked in. I went into my room. I went to the CAT scan, got the CAT scan, came back to my room, scheduled surgery. The next morning, I had bone marrow. I had surgery to take a, a biopsy to take one of the lymph nodes out. Um, and uh, e- even the ENT that I had saw who says, you don't have cancer, you know, it's something else, had, had stopped us before having surgery and told Julia, hey, listen, don't start the chemo because you want to have kids. Don't, I mean, that was one of the doctors saying, don't start that. So. So Julia has that now, like, oh, my gosh, you know, let's – so I go down for surgery, and, and I'm wiped out, right? So after surgery, after the bone marrow extraction, and, and that evening – now this is like – this is now Friday evening. Uh, I'm getting ready for my first round of chemo. And I remember that the, the nurse coming in, and she, she brings in this red – this bottle, clear bottle with red – liquid and on the bottle it literally had crossbones on it i remember and that she, jerry and, you're and telling the starts, truth there brother she, she starts to tell me that be careful because when you urinate you don't want it to splash on you yeah and, I, yeah. and i'm thinking you're putting that in my body like what do you mean not splash on me it was the weirdest thing and julia and julia you got to tell this part of the story because this is this is incredible i just said nope nope his his wound from the surgery is still oozing. He just got out this morning. He is kaput. There, you know, you need to give this guy at least 24 hours to recoup a little bit from that. His body, I want his body being strong when he goes into chemo. Look what you've done to him already. You're not putting that stuff inside of him. There's no way. And the nurse argued with me. She says, well, ma'am, I have direct orders, and we are going to start this. I said, no, you're not. You're not touching him with that. And she said, well, yes, we are. The doctor's orders. I said, I don't care if the doctor ordered that. I'm telling you, you're not putting that in him tonight. You need to wait till tomorrow. She says, no, we were told we need to start it now. And I said, it's almost midnight. This guy needs to rest. So she argued with me some more and said, I said, well, if that's how the oncologist feels, then 
he needs to be here to convince me because you're not you're not doing that. And so I wouldn't let them give it to him. And then a little while, she says, well, he's not coming in here. He's he's not on call and he's not in until tomorrow. And I said, well, then we'll wait till tomorrow. She says, no, we need to start this tonight. So we stayed in there with Jerry. I stayed in there with Jerry for a little bit. And the next thing I know, she comes back in. She says, there's a phone call for you. And she had his oncologist on the phone. <laughs> and they were very serious about now means now. Yes, um, but, yeah. But when you have another doctor, the surgeon looked me straight in the eyes and she said, do not, whatever you do, those are the words she used, do not, whatever you do, let them start chemo on him until you've gone and take care of your making baby business. And I looked at her kind of funny, like, what do you mean? And she looked at me funny, and I said, oh, I get what you're saying. Okay. So, anyways, the doctor gets on the phone that night, and he says, uh, Miss Dilly, I understand you're having a bit of a problem. I thought I made it clear what we needed to do, and we need to do it right away. I said, yeah, but you know what? Um, I was told by the surgeon that this could wait. You know, we need a little bit of time, a couple of days, and we need to take care of, you know, sperm bank and take care of that and call our insurance and find out what we can do to, to rush that along. And also, he needs to recuperate from the surgery. He said, um, can, you know, can I just stop you here for a minute? Cause I said, sure. He said, I want, I want you to hear what I'm saying. He says, I can count on one hand how many things I am mandated to begin treatment immediately. He says, on one hand, I can count those things. There aren't very many things in this world where I'm mandated to do that immediately. He says, what your husband has is one of them. And I said, okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Hung up, went in there, said, go ahead, give it to him. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jerry, tell me, do you remember what they called that bag of red medicine hanging, hanging, you know, do you remember what they called that? I, I think it I, I think it may have been the Derna Robinson or something like that. It could have been that, but then there was another <laughs> one called a- ARC. They, they had a nickname for it. You ready? You ready for it? Casey and I are going to oh. tell you, remember? Oh, yeah, what? The Red, Red Death. Death. They called it the Red Death. I think it was AJ. Oh, it was so, ARC, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was, was it, some, yeah, it was the, like you said, crossbones, skulls. Um, they actually covered mine the first time they brought it in because they were – afraid that I would freak out when we saw the glowing red death medicine. So they put a cover over it. And um, I didn't see it until the next time or maybe a couple of times after that. And they, they kind of explained that. Sounds like they might should, they should have covered it when Julia saw it too exactly. that night. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so take yeah. us, all right, so you get your first dose of chemo. You, you're recovering from surgery. Tell the listeners, tell us what happen over the next three to five days take us through that period of your life and how you felt yeah so so after getting the first round and, and getting to see the doctor the next day because he made it clear that every hour counted and that the can that, that the tumors were growing um, by the hour and I still didn't know how big the tumors were and so I'd asked him I said hey dr. Sorrell I said uh, I just got to ask you something. I mean, you, you, you made it sound like every hour counts. First of all, how big is the mass in my chest? And he said it's the size, and he showed me the shape of his hands, and it was the size of a football. And it was, it, it was pushing on my heart. It was closing my esophagus, closing my, one of my lungs. I was having a hard time 
talking and breathing, and I didn't realize that. That's why I was having such a uh, uh, um, uh, pains in my chest, mm. let alone what was over the collarbone. And so it had spread, of course. And I said, well, let me ask you this. I said, how much time do I have if this doesn't work? And he and he kind of paused. Like, he didn't want to, you know, he's like, and I, I said, no, I, I can handle it. I want to know how much time do I have if this doesn't work. He says, seven to ten days. And so you, you, you say, whoa, okay, well, I hope this thing works. So, well, so as you, you, you take that in, and then you start processing, it's on. It's a fight. We're going to go battle this. And, of course, I, I want you to know something. My faithfulness and my hope in the Lord couldn't have been stronger. I, I mean, I was walking. I was serving. And I had been through enough in my lifetime for this just to be another significant event. But right. my faith was strong. So I'm ready for the fight. And, and, and I want to tell you what was, was kind of interesting in the next several weeks to come because after a couple of weeks of being in the hospital, being released, you know, I would go back and in, back and in, back and in. Um, but somebody had given me a book, and the book was called It's Not About the Bike by Lance Armstrong. And Lance is not saved, but it's an incredible uh, story about his fight through testicular cancer. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning of the book, it talks about how he had time to save and save, uh, bank his sperm to have children. In the middle of the book, it showed pictures later on in his life having children because of that. And when I read that, I mean, I read it one night. I never put it down. I read through the whole book. And it was inspiring. But at the same time, I fell into the deepest depression you can imagine because I realized I would never have kids. And I struggled with that. And it was so hard for me to process that because I thought, man, God, why? And, and in the midst of that week, Julia says, I want to make an appointment for you to get a massage. And I said, all right, fine. Well, when do you want to go? They have one in the morning or one in the afternoon. I said, I don't care. She goes, we're picking afternoon. And so I show up a couple days later, and I, as I started the whole conversation, here's Casey introducing herself. And, and I'm thinking, like, you know, I've been wondering how many people, I couldn't find anyone who had the type of cancer. In fact, I'm a math guy like you. I'm a finance guy. And I, and I discovered that the odds of getting the cancer are like 0.001%. But the odds of finding somebody else that has the same cancer go off the charts. So the fact that I would run into Casey with somebody who's not only a survivor to, to introduce me to her father and say, and, and here's how it went. Dad, let me introduce you to Jerry. Jerry has the same cancer that Johnny does. Jerry, this is my father, John, and he's a cancer survivor. He's a cancer survivor. I think it was throat cancer. And, um, and, and, I, and she goes, I believe this is a divine appointment. I said, I believe this is a divine appointment, too. She goes, can we pray for you? I said, yes, you can pray for me. I said, I'm a youth pastor. And she goes, you're a youth pastor? I said, yeah, I'm a youth pastor. She says, she says my husband, Johnny, was a youth minister. I said, no way. And she says, yes. And, I, and he says, he's doing finance right now as a CFO. I said, I'm in finance at an aerospace. And, I'm, and, I'm, and it was just like, this is a divine appointment. 
So we began to hold hands, and I think the lady at the receptionist is looking at, all, at us like, what is going on here? And we began to pray, and they prayed over me, and it was so good. And I was so encouraged. I said, you know, when we were done, I gave, a, gave uh, Casey, I gave you my card, and I said, please have your husband call me. I would love to talk with somebody that has this kind of cancer and give me hope that you can survive it. And as we were walking away and departing, Casey's father says, hey, Jerry, and I turned around, he says, listen, I don't know your situation if you have any children. I don't know your situation, what the doctors have told you. I don't know if you even want children, but I'm going to tell you something, that Johnny and Casey were told they would never have children, and they gave, they gave birth to their baby boy a few months ago. And I wept because I thought, oh, my God, you would provide that for me. It gave me so much hope. I went back to get my massage and I cried through the whole thing. It was the worst massage I've ever had because it was like, I want to get out of here. All I want to do is go talk to them. Got done. I called Julia. And, and Julia, you could pick it up from here. You probably remember me calling you with this news. Yes, I was uh, at work, I believe, and you called me and how strong his faith was and how everything was uh, started out with the treatments, you know, and knew he was in for a battle for his life. But, you know, that easily gets worn away as you your body's just becoming frailer and frailer and weaker and weaker and your blood counts are low and you just and then like he said he fell into this deep depression about having children not being able to have children so I was kind of you know as a caregiver and Casey you could probably attest to this not that we love our hubs any less when they're going through this but you know, it gets difficult caring day after day for someone who's so down and emotional, you know. The yeah. chemo really messes with their emotions. And I was just kind of like, go get a massage, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. so when so when he called me at work and he's all emotional and he's telling, I mean, he is like just bouncing off the walls. He's so excited. And he's telling me this wonderful story. And I'm just kind of like on the other end of the phone, like saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, like this guy is really losing it, you know, and oh, great. Now, I, you know, that's the place where I go get a massage and they're going to think he's so crazy. He's, he's telling these stories, you know, and stuff. And, and so then he, he goes on to say, no, 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 listen. And I even said to him, I said, yeah, Jerry, you know what? You know, a lot of people can say they have the same cancer. You know, I, I probably wouldn't really believe that. And then he says, and then they stopped and asked me if they could pray with me. And I'm like, whoa. Really? <laughs> they they asked you if you would pray with them. Well, this is getting real here. Because not not very many people who aren't authentic are going to ask to pray with you, and are going to not be concerned about being in a massage place, not be concerned about who's around and who's watching, and they're just going to go for it. So that really got my attention. And as he started to unfold and unpack what had just occurred there, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this was a divine appointment, and I was just rejoicing with him. So I uh, I think Casey wants to add something here. I just want to say, I, I, this is the first time I think I've heard your rendition of the story, guys, and I am just over here rolling. I mean, Johnny and I were nodding our heads with everything that Jerry was saying, you know, as far as the uh, what the doctor said to you and, and the wording and everything. We're just, I mean, even today, how many years later... I am still in awe of how God did the crisscross on us to match us up. Um, he's so good. And, uh, excuse me, I'm 
fighting back some tears there. He is so good, so very good. Um, but I, I remember going home, and I gave the card to Johnny. And, you know, there's only a, a, a few reasons why you would invite people to dinner. And I think you guys were the first ones that we had to have over just because our husbands both had the same cancer. That was the reason. And I remember wanting to have you guys over after that uh, to get the guys going. And, and uh, I, you guys might have called or talked before that happened. But Yeah, I think we did. We had a conversation on the phone. Um, um, and, and I want to just uh, confirm some things that Jerry said uh, for you listeners. He was deeply depressed. Uh, obviously, this is radio, but Jerry is a handsome, big big guy compared to me i'm like a little five seven little scrawny little guy jerry how, how, how tall are you jerry john you are a good looking man let me tell you listen hey, I, I am, man. tell the listeners how tall are you i am six three and yeah. uh a little over 200 there you go so i meet jerry and listeners he was depressed and here i am this five seven i'm running around hey god bless me with my little miracle kid uh, Jerry and I meet. I think we might have went and hit some golf balls. You helped me change some sprinkler heads. We just hung out. And I do remember that you were were very, very depressed initially, initially. And the way God worked to match us up, to match you and Casey and my father-in-law, John Kendall, up that day, uh, and then how we became friends, and then we continued our friendship. You continued your chemo treatment. You got better. Your hair came back, right? You you gained the weight back that you lost. Life started getting better, but you still didn't have any kids. And that's what I want to transition to now for the listeners. I want you to take us through, because we know the sickness. We know you lost a lot of weight. You were deathly sick. We know you were depressed. All of us were when we were going through those times. But at some point after you got over the hurdle, you started feeling better, you started going back to work, kind of life started to kind of maybe look a little bit normal. You got hit with some news from Julia at one point. Tell the listeners about that day when Julia came to you and said, hey, Jerry, I got to tell you something. Yeah, I, 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 you know, we, you know, had always longed for children and, uh, and, and we, we certainly had hope and faith that, you know, all things were possible. And as much as we um, had tried over and over, you know, with no success, we, we, you know, continued to be disappointed and frustrated. And uh, so we, we started um, going to a fertility uh, specialist and trying some procedures that would help us through that. And, um, and a couple times, no success, but then finally we were able to get uh, pregnant and uh and we were we were just so excited so excited that you know you know god is just so honoring and 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 would do that for us and um and we we um julia had twins and um and we would go to our appointment we would watch the heartbeat we'd watch develop but um they didn't make it and so we were just you know it was a roller coaster for us because we thought oh my gosh you know uh, we tried again, and um, and you know she had another miscarriage, and so you know we went through this roller coaster, and finally we got to a point where we were just like, we're not going to do this anymore. You know, we'll just continue making plans, and and Julia, you know, can add to this because I'm sure I'll have 
parts of the story and she'll make it um, more clear. Um, but without uh, any pressure or thinking about it or trying to schedule anything, it just happened and she got pregnant. And uh, we, you know, we were very cautious. We were, you know, hopeful. And you want to get past, past the safe the safe points. And of course, we praise God through all of it. But I want to tell you, when when God is in the middle of things, he makes it really clear, like he removes all doubt. Because like, there's a lot of naysayers out there. Well, you know, this is just... But I want you to know something. That my son, Kyler, who I'd longed for, having a son, a, a child, a daughter, he was born on my birthday. And and the odds of that happening, just hope you just realize that God's fingerprints are just so all over this. And he just continues to show up in ways that you say, wow, to remove any doubt. So we we were blessed with Kyler. He's, he's 10 and a half now. He's amazing. He loves baseball like you're Jackson and like you, Johnny. And, uh, you know, he can't get enough of it which is too funny because there's more of the coincidences that we have similarities. Um, uh, he's on a select team. He plays, you know, regular. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, it's awesome. And, um, and, and then we had wanted to have uh, certainly more children if we could. And uh, we had moved to Chicago for work reasons and um, continue to try and try uh, no success. And uh, Julia, why don't you share this part about the story? Well, in Chicago, you know, I went to see fertility specialists again, and they went through our records and everything. And then they called us in. They do all this testing. They make you fill out all this stuff, and you fill out your family tree, and you show them how unhealthy everybody is all along the lines. And they really convince you, like, how there's no way possible. And if that weren't enough, then they said that my eggs were way too old anyhow and they were not going to be able to to do anything and that they and and they even said these words to me which was so disheartening they said and we understand that you have a strong faith and that your first child you were able to have is a complete miracle we we understand that but it's not going to happen again we just want you to know we want you to face reality that yes that happened we're, we're happy for you but and we know you understand that was a miracle, but that that's not going to, you know, be able to happen again. So wow. we were really, really, yeah. <laughs> so we were really discouraged about the whole thing. And um, I told them, well, even so, we just want to try. What 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 is what is left for us to try that we haven't tried? And they said, well, it's you know ten to fifteen thousand dollars if you want to do this, but you know you might just be spending that money for no reason. Uh, but you're if you we can't de- deny it to you if you're saying that's what you want to do. And we said, yeah, that's what we want to do. So they called it in to the nearby place where I needed to pick it up. Jerry had to go away on business, and you have to inject this special stuff that's so expensive at a certain time of the month, and he was going to be out of town, and I was livid. I said, we're going to finally do this, our last, last option here, and you're not going to be here? So then I had a nurse friend that I had met there in Chicago, a mother, and she said to me, you know what? I understand what you're going through. We always want another child. We never could. Um, I'm a nurse. Why don't you let me inject you with those things and since, you're, since your husband's going to be gone? Right then and there, I could have taken her up on the offer, but there was that 
check that thing again from the Holy Spirit. It was God speaking to me again, pre and forewarning me and preparing me. And something just, it just came rolling out of my mouth. I said to her, you know what? I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to give me those injections because you know what? I'm, I'm just thinking that maybe it's meant to be that Jerry's going to be away on a trip and he can't inject me with this stuff. Maybe somehow it's going to happen and I'm not supposed to take these drugs and put these in my body. And she just looked at me like, like I was a crazy person. And I, I did sound a little bit crazy. And, and so, um, I didn't do take her up on the offer. And then the, the drugstore kept calling me and saying, please come up and come and pick up your prescription. Please come and pick it up. But I had settled it in my heart that, no, I'm not going to go and get that. I'm not going to go and pick it up and have that injected in me because I don't know. The doors are being closed. Jerry's not going to be here. So I I'm, I'm just feel like that's a sign. So Jerry goes away on business and um, he's gone. And I, I take these uh, pregnancy tests because things aren't happening the way they're supposed to and normally do. And, and sure, sure enough, I was pregnant. <laughs> Wow. And wow. so I called. I called him on his trip. I said, I said I knew there was a reason I wasn't supposed to go pick up that stuff and inject myself. I said, Can you believe I'm pregnant? So we just rejoiced in all of that, and we were so excited once again that wow, we we really have overcome something that they said there was no way possible. And I reported it to um, our my doctor, and she said to me in her excitement for me, she says, Well. I just don't want you to get your hopes up because it's probably not going to survive. So I, those were the most painful words to hear from her. I thought, well, aren't you the least bit excited for me? I took like three or four of these tests to make sure I really am pregnant. But turns out she was right, and um, we did lose that baby. And I was um, upset more with her words that she spoke into the atmosphere about this precious baby that I could have bore. And so I said, no more. I'm not going to let people speak that negativity out loud to me ever again. And I, I didn't feel depressed. I didn't feel sad. I didn't feel like I was giving up hope. I felt like, hey, if anything, this just means that my body can still get impregnated. And we're going to just keep trying naturally. And we did. And the very, uh, I know that when I went to her, Long story short, Jerry was seeing a urologist at that time. He, Jerry, relayed the story to him of her bedside manner, what had happened. I think he went and spoke to her. Next time she saw me, she was much more gentler and kind and encouraged me even and said, you know, usually when you have a miscarriage, you say, oh, you got to wait six months or so, three, three to six months to clear the body out and start again, blah, blah, blah. She told me, nope, don't wait. Just You just go for it. I'm like, well, don't I have to wait at least a month? And she says, no, just, just go for it. So we did, and very next month we uh, were pregnant, and our daughter is seven years old today. That's beautiful. Well, here's the. Um... You say today? Yes. Uh, meaning her, birth- no, her birthday is March. Her birthday. Oh, March. okay. She's, she's Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, so guys, listen. There, there's, uh, there's no doubt. Uh, just rehearing your story. When I shared with the listeners my story. Uh, after the interview, Todd, I don't know if I ever even really disclosed this to you, but I was like, is anybody really going to believe this? A mass the size of a softball. Now, remember, Jerry's was the size of a football. Jerry's 6'4", <laughs> I'm 5'7". He had a football in him, had a softball in me, right? 
Uh, seven days to live. Never have kids. Miscarriages. After miscarriage. After miscarriage. Doing everything. Uh, holding off on idea. Every everything. Is anybody ever really going to believe this? And here today, we have the culmination of you know you, Julia, your beautiful kids, your story, and how God used not just any old guy that had cancer, but the guinea pig to what you were having and the treatment that you had to bring into your life, which, I'll be honest, we had a lot going on in our lives at the time. And when Casey said, hey, we're going to have these guys over for dinner, and he's got cancer, uh, I was like, okay, but, like, what time? I know i got to get off of work. I mean, life goes on, right? So we understand that. We, we felt that way when we were told we had cancer. We wanted to get back to work. We wanted to just get on with life. And I encourage all of us and all, all of the listeners to, to hear me right now closely. Do not just get on with life. Take the time. Go wherever you are. Reach out and pray for somebody. Ask them if there's something that they need. Because God can and will use the miracles that he's doing in our lives to touch many, many more if we're willing to, as Julia said a few times here, listen to the Holy Spirit, listen to the prompting. Now, I am sure that I am an extremely proud father. And I am sure Jerry is an extremely proud dad, as, as Julia's mother, as Casey's a mother. But I want the listeners to know this. After Jerry finished uh, all of his treatments, he invited me to what I called the circuit, like the Christian circuit in Southern California. He's like, hey, Johnny, we got to go share our testimony. Do you want to come? I'm like, absolutely. Let's go do that. And I always brought Casey and Jackson. And Jerry would introduce, and he would get up there, and he would tell about his background and how he grew up and his story with cancer, and then he'd introduce me. And I'd always close out with, and now let me show you the miracle and bring my son up on stage. And up until this time, right now, tonight, it didn't occur to me, Jerry, how painful that might have been. Now, looking back, you have your two kids. And hopefully you listeners can understand how difficult it is when you're overwhelming with joy of what God's done in your life. And you're around folks that maybe God's not necessarily moving that quickly in their lives. And I just want to remind us all of that, to be sensitive, to be sensitive to people, to God's people, to all people, because we really don't know what they're going through. There's a song, and if, if Todd, if this ever does make it to a movie or even a book, I want to ask the group Mercy Me to sing the song, Even If. Listeners, if you don't know the background of that song, and it starts out with him saying he stands on the stage night after night singing, but right now he can't do it. He's got a kid that has diabetes, and you know he's, got, he's around Christian people all the time, the singer, and he gets all the time, oh, I'll pray for you. And even though he needs the prayers, what goes through his mind is that you just really don't understand. I'm up middle of the night checking blood sugars. Life is miserable, and you're going to offer to pray for me. And, and that sincere, in sincerity, wanting to pray for somebody, but not being in that man or woman's shoes and understanding that probably millions of people have prayed 
for millions of people. And Jerry, you had people praying for you and people praying for me. But when you're going through it, it's hard sometimes to receive those prayers. It's hard to just bow your head because truly nobody knows what taking the red death is like until you take it. Nobody knows what it's like to be told you have seven days to live until you've had to hear those words. Uh, I think Casey wants to jump in and add something here. And, Julia, I, I remember going to your baby shower for your twins. And, you know, I want to say um, for those two that you've lost and for the, the one that you lost in Chicago, um, I also have lost. And, you know, for people who are listening, they may say, well, you know, why didn't God do that for me? I mean, I think about your father that passed away with cancer uh, before this story kicked off. And, uh, and my father, you know, it was throat cancer that came back, and uh, my mother had asked for more years, and I believe that God granted her that favor, uh, that my father had more years with us kids. But it was indeed throat cancer uh, that came back. And, uh, you know, God is with us. He's with us in our triumphs, and he's with us in the valley. Uh, and, you know, but he's with us all the time. So it's not just the people who walk in triumph that have the Lord with them. Bonnie said, um, inferred, you know, what, what does it take for us to follow the Lord? What if he doesn't save? I think of that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and they said, my God will save us, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow. And I remember saying that prayer before we uh, were pregnant with Jackson. I, I would say, God knows that I want a child, but I also know that he, know, he does not withhold any good thing from me. And if he doesn't give me a baby, I will not bow. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mindset. It's a declaration. I don't always have it. Uh, I'll be honest. It's a, it's a walk with the Lord. It's a journey. But if we can say, even if he doesn't, do that deepest thing for us that we want so bad to happen, we will not bow. Because even though God has done wonderful things for us, we've also both walked in some tragedy. So um, if anybody's out there listening, yes, God knows about you too. And he will be there with you in the ups and the downs. So, Jerry, we're going we're gonna to close this out. And um, I'm going to give my quick kind of 30-second uh, rendition of this, and then I want you to tell the listeners how it is for you with your kids. But long story short, when I talk to people today, anybody, if they say the word kid, if they say the word sick, if they say the word cancer, if, there's a number of things that they can say. I never fail to speak of the greatness of God Almighty and share with them, probably to where they're looking at me like, Will this guy please shut up and stop telling me these stories? But I cannot stop telling the story. And I know you're similar in that way. Share with, share with the listeners as we close. How often now are you getting to share your testimony? What does it feel like now looking back over the last 15, 16 years that you've been through this? And we'll close it out, and I'll let you turn it back over to Todd. But share with the listeners on a daily basis, what life is like for you and your family, and, and you're able to share this great miracle and this great testimony. Thanks, Johnny and Casey. Uh, appreciate that. Um, you know, every day I wake up, and I tell this to 
every single person, people that work for me, people I work with, uh, people, uh, anybody, um, I do not take today for granted. And I realize that tomorrow could be gone. And so I start my day off by just asking, how can I honor the Lord today? Because I feel like the gift that he's given me of um, another another tenure, if you will, of life, whatever that period of time is, the fact that I have children uh, that have blessed us, I, I want to use this time to honor him. And so not only do I um, use those opportunities to talk about how God, how good he is, I do it in the workplace. I, I live courageous in the workplace where it's not probably typical in the workplace, certainly in today's times, because because I, I, I can't deny him and, and, and what he's done. Um, my children know that how good God is and that they are miracles. And, um, and, and so I, I just feel like it's a calling on my life about sharing how good he is. And, and I want to be honest also with the listeners. It's tough, I know, because there's parts of us that want to say we move on, like that was then, this is now. And, and I know even with Julia, at times it's difficult because it's like, don't live in the past. You know, we're not, we, we, that was a part of our story. That's not who we are today in terms of we don't have cancer anymore. But there's just something inside of me that feels like I have to continue to share how good God is and what he's brought me through. And, and there's this calling to do that. And uh, as you've talked about writing a book or a movie or whatever it is, there's something that continues to bubble inside of me, believing that there's more that need to hear this story. And, uh, and it's not for, for me, but it's for God to reach people that need to be reached. And Casey, can I just say this? Thank you for being so courageous and in introducing yourself in a time that could have been easily neglected and say, I don't want to uh, intrude in this privacy here. He's not talking to me. Thank you so much because it's just done so much for me uh, in, my, um, in seeing how good God is. Uh, thank you for, for listening to the Holy Spirit, honoring God in that. Johnny, I love you. Um, you know, we are, we are brothers for sure. And, uh, and I'm just excited about really just giving all this glory back to God because uh, it, it's not about from beginning to end. It's the journey in between. So thank Amen, you. Amen, Jerry. Amen to that. I think I just heard another miracle. I think I was just thanked for eavesdropping. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, Todd, um, I'm going to turn it back over. We'll turn it back over to you. Um, thank you for having us on the show. It's always, always a pleasure to be here. Turn it back over to you now to uh, final closing remarks or any questions you may have. Well, I just want to say this show, what a blessing it is, because even if they, even if they're suffering with, let's say, breast cancer or colon cancer, or any, your show is still going to give them hope, because if God will do it for you, he will do it for them. Yes. That's right. And I, I want to thank all of y'all for coming on, and uh, I'm going to say that's a wrap.
say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be alright. But right now, oh right now I just can't It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down But what will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now They say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Well, good thing, a little faith is all I have right now. God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable, oh, give me the strength to be. Oh.